One of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is to shine the spotlight on Jesus. And uh, Lord willing, that's what happens right now in worship too. Our Lord Jesus, when he walked the planet on numerous occasions, said this to grown-ups, unless you big people become like a small child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Like, that's a pretty provocative thing to say, right? And there's lots of ways this is not intended by Jesus. Jesus does not intend we grown-ups to have the work ethic of small children, right? He does not intend for us for, to have the, the patience of a three-year-old. That's not what he is talking about. But in some significant spiritual ways, God wants us as grown-ups to act like small children. One way that the kids among us model Christ-like behavior for we big people is in the questions that they ask, in their sense of curiosity and wonder about the world. Have you ever noticed the frequency with which little kids ask questions? Sometimes this bothers us big people. Why? Tell me why. Why is the sky blue? Why, why does it get cold in October? Why are there so many stars? Where do they come from? Why don't I have a brother or a sister yet? When? Where do they come from? Right? At some time in all of our lives, someone, because of our questions, rolls their eyes at us or gives us a dirty look, and we think, maybe we're seven or eight or nine or ten, we think, I need to shut these questions down. Maybe not so many, maybe not so invasive, just... Grown-ups keep their mouth shut, so let's keep our mouth shut a little more often. This is not God's design for human nature. God designed us to be like tiny little engineers. How does it work? How does it fit together? Why? Why? Tell me why. Questions that drive us deep into the heart of the matter and the heart of creation. I think as adults, we're not so different. We zip our mouths, but the questions are still all going on inside right? Hopefully. I guess you get really disillusioned and bitter if all the questions stop, even on the inside. However, we pretend like we're more concerned with one question, which is what? Just what is happening? Let me know. This is generally what the news does. I am only mildly interested in what is happening, right? There's nine Supreme Court justices. There were only eight for a while. What happened? We just got a ninth. Fantastic. Thanks. His name is Brett Kavanaugh. We're not going to talk about this too much. That is just the what. But things get interesting when you start asking why, right? Why was he the nominee? Why was he the one that the president chose off the short list? Why did the proceedings go down the way they went down? How is it that he finally got put on the court? How did it happen? Like, this is why we don't ask questions, right? Because you try to talk about those things with other grown-ups and people get super excited. Now, our problem in, quite frankly, is that we're inclined at this moment, when questions get hard, to just start yelling at each other instead of asking better and more provocative and increasingly significant and meaningful questions. If we did that, we would have even fantastic public conversations. But that's not what we do. Lord have mercy. Heaven help us, and indeed, friends, today, heaven is going to help us as we are challenged by God's word to ask better questions 
as an act of love for each other in the world. Over the last few weeks, we have been delving into what we've been calling the lost arts of spiritual conversations. Noticing, listening, praying behind people's backs. All of those don't even require you to talk yet. Welcoming people, and today, finally, opening your mouth and asking questions. Now, Jesus is the master of all of these arts. Okay? He does these things perfectly, and we are simply being invited to practice, to follow his footsteps and imperfectly practice a little bit. We are honing our skills, preparing as a congregation for an experience in early 2019 that is intended to raise spiritual awareness and curiosity all over the great city of Chicago in a spiritual initiative called Explore God. Okay, we're in, we're in the training season right now. Noticing like Jesus notices, listening, praying, welcoming, and finally today, building the bridge where we finally open our mouths, not to give everybody the answers, but to ask good questions. By the way, there have been so many great stories emerging from our church already as people very humbly and simply uh, try these things out. I'm going to tell a tiny little story about you. Sorry. Sorry. I usually ask permission from family members when I tell stories about them, but this one is all good. And I didn't think Sarah was going to be here today. <laughs> but there she is. Yeah. So uh, my wife is a lovely, professional, compassionate nurse at a uh, cancer infusion treatment center. This morning she was at the ER already uh, working and made it here. I didn't know. Uh, but a few weeks ago she decided, what if I just change the ratio a little bit with the people that I sit with one-on-one between eye contact and the charting I have to do in real time as we're talking about their situation? What if it just, it was a little more eye contact and active listening and a little less on the computer monitor? One day experiment, I mean, literally had seven people express their appreciation and hug her because they felt cared for and heard. Right? It's not rocket science, people. It's just putting... Yeah, Sarah loves the spotlight, so this is, like, thanks. <laughs> uh, all the bruises on my arm next week. No. Uh, so, it, like, it can be that simple. Just a little bit of spiritual intentionality in Jesus' name. That is what we are trying to do. <clears throat> so today, it is not about giving the right answers. It is about opening our mouths but to ask questions fueled by curiosity and a heart to have genuine spiritual conversations with our neighbors, with our coworkers, um, with folks that we rub shoulders with. And we allow these conversations to start, not where we're at, but where they are at. <laughs> yes, there are good and bad ways to have spiritual conversations. I think, especially given the kind of environment that we live in, so I think the approach in talking about God has to be one where we approach it with a lot of humility, not assuming we have all the answers, but that we can be a part of a conversation that we know people are longing to have, but maybe don't have a lot of outlets to have it. And so I think it's really important that we don't have to feel we need to present the perfect um, Christian answer, the perfect way of being a Christian. One, because it's a lie, and two, it doesn't help anybody anyway. So I think the best way is listening, talking, laughing, making, making it as ordinary as you possibly can. I don't know if it's ever good 
to try to force doctrine or proclamation on people you don't have any relationship with. I want to be listening to someone else's story. I want to hear what is their background, how, what belief systems do they have. And so if you just ask questions, if you just really care about them, if you, if you wonder about the details of their lives, it's really natural to talk about spiritual things as well, since that's a big part of everybody's life. Even if they don't believe in God, they've thought about it and they have thoughts about it. Every time I've said, so you've never had a religious experience, everyone I've asked has said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, I have had religious experiences. And I'll just say, well, tell me what's your favorite religious experience? Now, you'd be astonished what people say. To have conversations about that, it, it really offers people who might be searching hope. I think it's important if we believe in this truth, if... Uh, if I had a friend who forgot how to breathe, uh, I would do anything to um, try to get him to breathe again. It's, it's that important. It's that, it's that true. And I think if we were to go with that perspective in mind, it wouldn't just change our conversations. It would change the way we lived our lives. We would understand that everything we do is a testimony um, to this Christ that we claim to follow and this lifestyle that we say that we truly believe in. Now, what we're exploring here is not about being hesitant about the truth of Christianity. It's not about dumbing down doctrine. Uh, it's not about being shy about what we believe. It's about putting something into practice that is actually effective in the world. And it's effective because it's God's way. It's Jesus' way. It's been God's way from the very beginning. The art of asking good spiritual questions starts with God. In the very beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and he gave fairly simple marching orders for the first human beings. Tend the garden. Love each other. And there was one prohibition so that people from the very beginning understood that with the freedom that God gives us, there are appropriate boundaries. Just don't eat the fruit of the one tree, right? There's the limit. Our first parents could not help themselves. As our representatives, humanity did the one thing they were asked not to do and disobeyed God's directions, seeking instead to be a law unto themselves and to make ourselves gods. So here's the first critical moment in the drama of the Bible. What will God do? He's made everything perfect. We messed it up pretty immediately. What will God do? Let me ask you this. What do you do as a human being when somebody deliberately contradicts you? When you go on record saying this is the way it needs to be and somebody's like, you know what, I'm going to do exactly the opposite. Or when you ask one of your kids to do something and, you're like, and they deliberately disobey and maybe even willfully on occasion disrespect your orders. What do we do when someone crosses us? Why is no one smiling anymore? Right? We have a bad reaction. We're like, I told you, you leave. <laughs> You're fired. A wide assortment of horrible reactions and things come out of our mouths when we are disrespected on that kind of level. Please notice in the scripture what God does in Genesis chapter 3 about how he handled the ultimate disrespect 
Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I mean, this presumes that humans and God walked together prior to sin. And then they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, if you would, where are you? God asks a question. First thing out of the blocks. This is the first recorded dialogue conversation in all of Scripture. First thing out of God's mouth in this painful moment, a question. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Two more questions. And then Adam said, It was this woman that you put here with me. Classic move. Blame somebody else as soon as you can when things go wrong. It was her. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? God responds to the original and ultimate offense with questions. Please notice that. It's not judgment. It's not incredulity. It's not destruction. It's not even rejection. But there are tender questions that come from the heart of God as he is, from the beginning, trying to build a bridge to connect back to the people who have just put up an enormous wall between their hearts and the heart of God. Can you hear that? I confess this story uh, kind of terrorized me as a little kid because what happens after this is like Adam and Eve have to leave the garden and then God puts an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance to the garden. And I always felt like, man, because we're sinful, like the angels are just waiting to like, like whack us because we're so bad now. And then as I grew up, I realized, no, the angelic guard is actually a kindness, a mercy from God. Because if human beings wandered back into the garden, into the intimate, holy, powerful, burning presence of God, they would get vaporized after this because they're sinful. So God protects us from ourselves by not oversharing his beauty and power with us. Hear what I'm saying? Like God is really tender and kind. There's this other thing that happens as Adam and Eve leave the garden. God presumably kills the first animals that are ever killed, sparing Adam and Eve that act, and gives them their first set of clothes to protect them from the now harsh, sinful, painful world they're about to enter. God gives them clothes. Like, God is doing everything he can to build a bridge back to them, starting with these incredible questions to reconnect. If you page through the Bible with this lens of God asking questions in mind, you will see at every turn in the scriptures, God is reaching out to reestablish communication and connection with his wayward people by asking them true, deep, real questions. Now, I had the benefit of having an earthly dad who 
was far from a perfect human being, but in, in really significant moments, uh, he did this. My dad did this. I recall being a 16-year-old, had my license for about six months. It was a uh, kind of like freezing rain November day in Michigan, so there was like an icy sheen. I was a little late picking up a girl, not Sarah, for a date, so that was mistake number one. And uh, I had just gotten some takeout for my, sis, for my sister, so I was running late. So I'm driving like 35, 40 miles an hour, exiting a residential neighborhood. I crest a big hill, again, freezing rain. I tapped my brakes just over the crest of the hill. And I had one of those moments where, you know, like it goes by in a second and a half, but I felt like I lived two years. So I was like, this car is not going to stop. There is an enormous oak tree exactly on the trajectory I'm heading. I really should have put my seatbelt on. (laughs) So this oak tree, I mean, intruded into the engine cavity about three feet, totally destroyed my dad's car. Uh, I broke the windshield with my head. I mean, totally shattered. I was pulling glass out of my head for days. Oh, my parents were out of town for a couple days, by the way. They were due back this evening. So... Uh, a neighbor happily picked me up, brought me home. I'm like washing my head. There's blood everywhere. My sister, whose fault I thought this really was because she made me late with takeout, it was the woman. Uh, you know, she got me to like the med center. They put like 12 stitches in the front of my head. I looked awesome because I pretty much shaved the front of my hairline. My parents come home like while I'm at the med center getting stitches. So I come home and, you know, I put a, like a winter hat on. They're like, hey, guys, where were you? Where's the car? And I offer this confession to my dad. (laughs) Like, I was driving too fast, went over the hills, like, slid into the tree, like, the car is dead. So I think my dad is going to kill me. I mean, this is kind of, like, tearful as I'm owning up to this. And my dad had two go-to questions uh, when something serious happened. He was like, Boy, did you do this on purpose? I was like, no, I didn't do it. Of course, I didn't do it on purpose. It's like, did anybody get hurt? I was like, well, my head kind of hurts. But, <laughs> but like, no, nobody got hurt, right? Nobody's tragically injured. And then he's like, his next word is like, it's going to be okay. Like, we'll deal with it. We'll work through it. It's going to be okay. Like, that's some good parenting right there. Did you do it on purpose? Did anybody get hurt as a result of what you did? No? Okay. We're going to work through it. That is the healing, connecting, bridge-building power of just a couple questions. It turns out that thoughtful, timely, caring questions are good for everybody. Okay? I'm going to drop a little brain science on you for just a minute, a little sociology. I'm going to ask a series of questions... And ironically, the answer to all these questions is the word questions. Hear what I'm saying? You're like, what? According to the California Institute of Technology, when what comes out of your mouth, does the most brain activity light up in, the, in multiple quadrants of your brain? Questions. Like, when you, light, when you ask questions, your whole brain lights up. Like it's actually working. I never feel like my whole brain is working. 
Question number two. According to the California Institute of Technology, improved learning and memory capacity is connected to the part of the brain that formulates what? Questions. So if you want to improve your memory, if you want to improve your capacity to learn, like give free license to your curiosity and the part of you that was designed to ask questions from your creator. Being on the receiving end of what lights up the love and affection part of your brain? Questions. When someone actually asks you about you and your story, the part of your brain that says, you know what? This is a good person. They like you. Like, when you receive good questions, that's what happens within us. Headline this week from the New York Times. Harvard study reveals one word that is the secret to being likable and emotionally intelligent. What is that one word? Do you want to be liked? Do you want to be emotionally intelligent? Okay, ask more questions. Like, this is what the sociologists tell us, okay? This is beyond the word of God, okay? Questions are good for everybody. They bring us to our full potential. There are two doctors, Joseph Grenny and David Maxfield, who call themselves the behavioral science guys, and they do all kinds of weird behavioral experiments to see what can actually make people change their ways. Turns out what doesn't help people change their ways ever is just telling them what to do or giving them a little bit of information. Does anybody like to be bossed here? I mean, I hate it. If you tell me what to do, I will do the exact opposite. Because I'm, yeah. Okay, so here's what they did. They, they did an experiment with smokers and 10-year-old kids. So they had some 10-year-old kids go up to like folks who are smoking outside a business, folks who smoke routinely, and say to them, like, hey, mister, can I talk to you about smoking? Share some information about why it's harmful to your health? And the general response, 90-plus percent of the time, is like, shut up, kid, go away. Like, I've heard all this before. I don't know, is that how smokers talk? <laughs> I'm sorry. Nothing against smoking. My dad was a lifelong smoker. I loved him, obviously. Um, Then they sent out kids, the same kids, different groups of smokers, and they sent kids out with a cigarette, and the 10-year-old kids went, hey, mister, can I have a light? Okay? Meeting the smokers on their own terms. Guess what happened? 90% of the smokers were like, kid, I'm not giving you a light. This is horrible. Do you know how bad smoking is for your long-term health? And the smokers basically like gave the kid the, the pep talk, right? And then the, kid said, and then the kid at the end said this. Why do you keep smoking? To which nearly 90% of the replies were, you're right, I need to stop. I'm going to get some help. Like the difference between those two postures, hey, can I tell you about right and wrong a little bit? And, hey, can I join you? Why are you doing this? Totally polar opposite. Now, for folks who don't go to church, which group are we like as Christians? We're like the first group, right? Like, hey, can we tell you about our way? It's the best way. It'll be good for you, too. I got some great information for you. Like 90% of people, that will be the end of it. But if we find a way to ask questions that builds connections, people will run 
run to a genuine place. Here's how it works. When we ask questions from genuine curiosity and interest, it builds connection. You make enough connections, it builds trust. And trust is the bridge that can bear the weight of significant truth. If you start with the truth with somebody that you only kind of know or have a partial relationship with, it's like a rickety bridge. And then when a big truth, like Jesus is the Son of God, when that truth tries to travel across the bridge, the bridge just collapses into dust and cinders. Like, this is human design. It's nothing against the truth. It's on us because God wants to empower us to be curious, build the connections, ask better questions, And then wait and watch as the truth makes its way across the bridge. No lesser intellect than Albert Einstein, right? One of the greatest minds of the 20th century said this. The important thing in my life, he's saying, is to not stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existence. Divine design. One cannot help but be in awe when they contemplate the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. Never lose a holy curiosity. I mean, this is coming from the mind and heart of a man who did not follow Jesus, who looked and saw the universe as divinely designed, saying the most important thing, I say amen to this, is maintain a holy curiosity. Curiosity is the spiritual rocket fuel that launches us into new worlds of discovery. Wonder, curiosity, questions. These are things that little kids excel in. These are things that our Lord excelled in. And in our practice, I'm inviting you to excel in these things. I mean, you can't be curious about everything but just about the little corner of the world that God has put you in. You can't be curious about everybody, just the few people that God has put into close proximity in your life. This is what God the Father does. And this is also what Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, the Son of God does. Jesus' way is also the way of asking questions. He didn't come as a cross-legged guru or sage on the top of a mountain to just dispense riddles and proverbs and koans to humanity. He did not come as a Silicon Valley CEO to offer nice product presentations for our benefit. He did not come as a Bible answer man or a talking head just spouting religious truths. Jesus came as a Jewish rabbi. And what do rabbis do more than any other group in humanity? Ask questions. You ask a question to a rabbi, they will ask you a better question. You offer a good conclusion to a rabbi, they will question that conclusion with seven constructive questions to drive you even deeper. Jesus, as a human, was a Jewish rabbi, a group famous for asking question after question. Sometimes we like to say in church, Jesus is the answer. That is true. It is also true that Jesus is the question. Jesus is the question from God for humanity to reconnect us. In the Gospels, Jesus himself, more than 200 questions come out of his mouth. I mean, you can't hardly turn a page in your Bible without Jesus asking somebody something. 
In Mark chapter 8 alone, there's not even 40 verses, Jesus asks 16 questions in that one little chapter of the Bible. Here's three short verses. On the way, Jesus asked his disciples, if you would be his voice, who do people say I am? The disciples replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others are saying you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Others, that you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked them, what about you? Who do you say I am? And then Peter, that bold, loudmouthed disciple, said for the first time, you are the Messiah. Okay, this is the first time in the Gospels that anybody who is not a demon has recognized that Jesus is the Son of God. I guess there were angels too. The first human being to recognize Jesus is the Son of God. Here's how the scene did not go down. Jesus says, I am the Son of God. Believe it and receive it. All 12 disciples are like, right on. That is not the way it happened in the, right? Jesus asked questions. What are people saying? What are they saying about how they react to me? What are they saying about our current spiritual climate? And the disciples are like, people are wondering. They think you may be even somebody like some great spiritual person coming back from the dead. And then Jesus is at liberty to say them, recognizing almost everybody sees something is stirring. God is doing something new in their midst. And Jesus asks them for the first time, what about y'all? Who do you say I am? And because Jesus asked them penetrating, clarifying questions for the first time in humanity, somebody tells the truth. You're the son of God. Jesus' questions lead them to this connection, to this truth, to a reality that is the foundation of everything. He's God. Jesus leads his followers toward the truth so they can drink the water for themselves. Now, for the last two months, uh, Jeff Klein and I have been inviting you all, challenging you all to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. That's what I'm going to invite you to do right now, to follow in the footsteps of God the Father, the original question asker, to follow in the steps of our Lord and Savior, the great question asker, and to ask better questions and to be more curious in your own life. Perhaps as I've been using these words, questions, questions, why, curiosity, wonder, perhaps some topic, some person, some situation, some face has been prompted in your own spirit or your own mind. If that has happened for you today, we'll credit the Holy Spirit for that. It would be awesome for you to follow up on whatever it is that has come into your own mind and stirred in your own spirit as we've seen what the Word of God says about questions. Okay? For some folks in the room, that's your homework and invitation for this week. For others of us, I would like to propose a short list of provocative spiritual questions. They are printed... Uh, on the inside cover of your worship folder today in blue ink. These are not opening questions. These are not introductory questions. These are questions after you know somebody pretty well, have a few connections that have happened, and some trust has begun to blossom. Okay? These questions can yield amazing conversations. So when somebody finds out I'm a pastor and we start talking about like going to worship or spiritual experiences... I love this question. Like, have you ever had a truly, something you would describe as a, relig a religious experience? A spiritual experience? Like, what was it? Where were you? How did it go down? 
right? Allow somebody to talk about their own experience of God on their terms, from their own lens. Jeff Klein's favorite question to ask these days. If you could ask God one question and knew he would answer you, what would you want to ask God? Right? So this doesn't presume you know the answers, just an invitation like to, like, hey, you ever have like a big cosmic question you'd like to hear from God? Like people will come out with incredible, honest things. If you want to get beat up, ask somebody who doesn't go to church this question. If you could get all the Christians in America, or at least all the Christians in my church, like to listen to you for a second, what would you, as a non-church-going person, want to say to all of us who do go to church? Like, that's a very humble question, right? It's asking for input, like, how do you see me and my people? How do you view the... And again, you'll hear some brutal things, because we are not known at this point in American civilization for our listening ear, for our noticing, for our humble praying, for our interesting questions. We are known as the loudmouth answer people. And by God's grace, we're just beginning to change this, right? Ultimately, if we have a conversation about these spiritual questions, where it will go is to the question of all questions, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? If you'll listen to people and have a genuine spiritual conversation, it will get there. I mean, some people are so masterful at this. I'm looking at you guys because you, you, you have a long track record, Mac and Karin. Right? So, some people are able to shepherd people toward this in very short order. For most of us, like, this is a delicate art. Right? But the place ultimate that we want to get to is to ask the question of questions. Who is Jesus? We worship a God who pursued reconciliation with humanity from day one by asking questions. Where are you? Why are you hiding from me? What's gone wrong? We follow in the footsteps of a Savior who led people toward the truth with good, penetrating, amazing questions. That's the invitation for us to imitate our God, and to bring into the world genuine spiritual questions. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we are thankful for your mercy that from the very beginning you pursued us by questioning us. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you didn't simply come to run your mouth at us, tell us what to do, Show us how to try harder. But that through your sacrifice, through your gentleness, through your humility, that you shepherd us toward the truth. God, we are called to be your hands and feet in the world. Help us be your living presence by following your way and putting these arts into practice. Lord Jesus, we pray in your name and in your power. And everybody said, amen.